Great. It is good to be here in the daytime while the light is shining. feels a lot lighter, uh, not only in terms of um, light waves, but also in terms of weight. No? No one? <laughs> okay. Good. No, great. Good to be here. Good to have the kids around, enjoying um, uh, having a service that's full of, full of life and extra sounds. I, f- I feel like it just brings, a, a, again, a lightness, just an ease to it. It's not like, it doesn't feel overly formal. Uh, we're just doing life together here anyway. So I'm glad that it feels like that because that's, that's really what it is. Uh, we've been going through a series over the last uh, few weeks now, or, or months even, uh, looking at the spirit of Jesus. So seeking to see um, Jesus as he wants to be known, not just the outward appearance, but uh, who he is uh, in reality and who he's wanting to communicate himself uh, to be to us. There's, there's something very um, powerful that he's wanting to uh, reveal to us. Uh, we've been talking about him being all present, his spirit, uh, where his spirit is, there is freedom. And he's wanting to communicate his very self to us, that we would know that life and that freedom. As we, as we talk, I, there's a re- the very real sense that there's no way that these truths which are meant to be experienced and known in your life can be communicated with words. It's not like I'm here and I have the, the life and as I speak to you, you're receiving the life from me. That's not, that's not what's happening here at all. Um, there's, a, there's a fundamental reality here that, that as, as, as we're talking and speaking, um, it, in one way, it's just glimpses and, and shards of light. It's not, it's, not, um, it's not really the thing itself, but it's a prompt, an invitation for you to recognize the life of God, the Spirit of God that is actually stirring within you already. I'm not giving it to you. You're not getting it from me. Uh, he's there. He's present, all present, and he, he wants you to come to that recognition and that realization. And there's a beautiful thing in that. Uh, so if there are things that, that um, seem, I don't know, obscure or abstract, um, don't, don't, don't feel like it's, it's all about you needing to understand this for you to have some, to speak into each other's lives that we would come to know. It's here to encourage one another to speak into each other's lives that we would come to know that reality um, for ourselves, the reality of God for ourselves. So we have been looking at the Beatitudes, which are these, these beautiful statements that Jesus, make, that Jesus makes. And this week we're looking at the statement... Uh, blessed are the peacemakers, uh, for they will be called children of God. Uh, peace is not a, a hard concept to understand. Uh, peace is something that is, is really ingrained in all of us at every level of society. It's something that we long for and that we're driven towards. And yet at the same time, even though peace is not hard to understand... It's a very hard thing to actually grab a hold of. It's very elusive to, 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 to gain peace, to have peace. We can think of, uh, all of throughout all of history, people have um, prayed 
for peace, peace on a grand scale. Uh, many people in the beauty pageant industry have been praying for world peace for a long time. Uh, but not only world peace, but people have been praying for uh, peace for their nation, peace for their community, peace for their family, peace for themselves as an individual. Uh, there, there, there's an intrinsic sense that we have that peace would be good to have. I mean, I, I, I think there's a, a, little, a little thing that was sent out uh, for us to sort of um, reflect on, but, but who, of us, um, who of us, if I ask the question, would you like more peace? than you currently have, would say, no, I think I'm pieced out. Uh, you, you wouldn't. You, you, would, you would go, yeah, I, I think I could, I could do with a bit more peace, actually. So, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers, people who bring, bring about peace. If we think throughout um, human history, there's, there's probably different ways of bringing about peace. Uh, the Romans actually thought it was their divine vocation um, to bring peace. They, Virgil actually, uh, who, who's a poet of the time, in the time of Caesar Augustus, uh, talks about them um, being endowed with this, this vocation by the gods to bring <clears throat> peace to the world, uh, to bring law, to bring justice. And, and so, so they, they effectively um, brought, brought about a form of peace in the known world at the time uh, through a bit of force, but, but in the end, there was, there was generally a lot more peace when, when they were governing than, than they may have been before. Um, and, and it came through um, a, a sense of unified identity, a sense of law, rules, uh, uh, rules of play, you know, that it, you can even think of in, in a sports game, uh, where, where there are rules, uh, there's a sense of everyone knows what they're doing, there's, there's a sense of peace, where, you know, things, things are going as, as they should when people break the rules, uh, there's not peace. Uh, the, so, so you can think of, of that large-scale sort of form of peace. Um, but then, of course, we know through, through, the actual, through, through, the, through the historical accounts in the Bible and, and the biblical texts, that that wasn't the whole picture. Even though it seemed like there was world peace, if you drill down um, to different nations and um, societies within that culture, there were, there were fracture, fractures, there, were, um, um, there was strife, a bit of uh, conflict between different peoples, uh, different tribes, and then even within those tribes, we see with the Jews, there are factions within them, and then there are factions within factions, and then on the individual level, uh, people are just having their normal everyday conflicts there as well. And so, peace seems to be like this hard thing to bring about through all the layers of society. In fact, there are probably two schools of thought in how to bring about peace. Uh, you, you'll know this, they're not, they're not um, mutually exclusive, they, they can happen in tandem. Um, but, but the first one is um, the human tendency to, um, to inflict pain on other people or, to, or to, um, to inflict pain on other people or to, or to um, be selfish at the expense of others. And this way of instilling peace is about 
um, creating laws, right? Creating rules, and if everyone plays by those rules, we'll have some sort of form and sense of peace. Uh, that's probably the one that we're very familiar with. Like it, it's a it's a form of peace that uh, we we learn from from the very a very young age. Uh, there are rules of play. Uh, you're in church. There's a specific way to act in church. Uh, you're at work. You're at different places. There's there's a different thing. And if you play by the rules, everyone's everyone gets along in that sense. The, the second way of bringing about peace is more an environmental thing. It's about uh, making sure that people's needs are met, uh, uh, making sure that people don't clash with each other, don't come into confrontation with each other. So you could even think of, of a scene, we've been talking a lot about children, there's a scene in the Bible where um, there's, a, there's a commotion with children and that's causing a bit of disruption. There's not peace in the disciples' eyes and they go, Get, you know, get these, get these children back, hold them back. And Jesus says, no, 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 let, let, let the little children come to me. But, but there's this sense that if, if we isolate problems, if we remove problems, or if we fulfill needs, then peace comes about. Let's, if we were to take it um, to a more practical level, let's think of um, family life. Uh, in, in family life, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a certain way of bringing about peace. Uh, every one of us have grown up in some sort of family. Maybe you have a family yourself um, now. But in your own home as you were growing up, you know that there were certain things that your parents said, this was the way things run in our home. And if you step out of those things, you would recognise that you weren't at peace through some sort of form of discipline. Um, and that discipline was actually there, so there could be peace, um, not only for your parents, but for the whole household, for your siblings. And, and so there was this sense that if, if you just followed the rules, um, things would be okay. Um, maybe, maybe you notice the, the sense of needing to even develop rules if, you, if, you've, if you've been married and you came from two different uh, ways of doing things and, and there's a storming phase where you're trying to work out, you know, what, what are the rules of play here? How do we, how do we get, get things done? How is the dishwasher packed? Um, how do we leave the toothpaste once, it's, once we've used it? Um, all these little things um, that, that you, you're trying to form a routine that will, that will make you feel like, okay, we're at peace. Uh, we're not struggling to struggling against each other. We're not annoyed with each other. There's not all these internal conflicts going on. We're at peace. Everyone's playing by the rules. Um, the the flip side of that is there there comes a time in family life where the rules just don't seem to be cutting it. Uh, and usually you can see this with siblings. Uh, things just get out of hand, and uh, you need to create a bit of space. And that's this, this, other, this other way of, of bringing about peace, creating, creating space. You know what? You're going to have your own separate rooms now. And when that happens, when, when there's that bit of separation, all of a sudden there's peace, right? There's peace. It's great. Get a bigger car rather than everyone sitting next to each other and, and complaining about who's looking at the, you know, uh, this, is, this used to happen with me actually, is I used to look out my sister's window, who's here tonight, and um, she would get really annoyed that I was looking out her window. And I was doing it to annoy her, you know, given. But, uh, but, but you know, get, get a bigger car where, where you each have your own window and you can look out your own window. 
Uh, and then there's peace all of a sudden. These two senses of, of, of bringing about peace. One of them actually feels like it's, it's through unity, you know, rules of play. We, we, we can, if we all play by those so, same rules, we're, we're unified in something. Um, but, but sometimes that, that just doesn't cut it. And on the other hand, the, the other one, the other way of working, freedom of the individual to be able to actually do the things that they want to do and do them the way that they want to do them. And if they can do that, the things that they want to do and do them the way that they want to do them. And if they can do that, then they won't, they won't butt up against other people. They'll just be fulfilled within themselves and, and, and there'll be peace. I don't know if you, you can see um, beyond the outward appearance and recognize that just because things are peaceful on the outside doesn't mean that there is peace. Real peace actually is relational, peace between individuals. Uh, when, when there are rules, if you look below the surface, you can actually find that even though on the outside there may not be wind and waves and people butting up against each other, there may not be peace. Think, think of in a, in a family where, uh, where the rules are set down and set down very clearly and hard and the children follow the rules and there is peace. But you find that in, in, in the child's heart and maybe you've even found this in your own heart, there's, there's a sense of a, uh, you're against your parents. Um, you're not at peace with them. There may be peace on the outside, everything's going, but, but you're not at peace with them. The, the, the peace is not there, even, even though the outward appearance may appear that way. It can happen particularly where there are, are dominate, dominant personalities and personalities that are stronger, and things may seem to be controlled. You think of the Romans coming in, everything's good, everything's functioning, and yet the, there's all these internal strifes, and, 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 and though they're quashed, it doesn't, it doesn't resolve things in the hearts of people. And so we, we think perhaps maybe, maybe the, the flip side, just, just encouraging, fulfilling the needs of people will bring about that peace, but we find the exact same thing happens in that case. There may seem like there's peace on the externals uh, when you give uh, siblings their own room, uh, but what's really happened is that you've just removed uh, uh, a level of interaction between them and, and call that peace. It would be like if there were two world powers and they're, they're head to head uh, against each other and you were to go, let's, if this were possible, science fiction, um, let's just create another world and put this, this nation in this world and this nation in a completely different world and then all of a sudden they're not at war. But that wouldn't be peace. It would be not war. <laughs> peace is not defined by there not being war, not being all these things happening in the externals. Peace is something more than that. And so we see different ways that throughout history and, and even throughout our own lives and in the lives of people around us, we're, we're trying to get at peace. We're trying to get at this rest. And yet, really, we're not hitting the mark on it. In fact, there's, there's a beautiful story, a uh, tragic story in a way, 
uh, in the Old Testament of the Tower of Babel. And it shows this incredible picture of how people can work together and be at peace when they're unified under one idea. And this idea in, in the Tower of Babel is, is, is an idea that people can um, work their way um, to God, work their way to heaven. In one sense, work their way to utopia, which is really the desire for peace. Let's, let's somehow work our way, construct our way up to a, a utopia where, where there's peace. And who doesn't want that, right? You can, you can rally people around that. Uh, and so, so the, the Tower of Babel is this story of people coming with that, that unified goal and a desire to go, yeah, that, that's, that's all exactly what we want. And, and there is, there's, there's incredible um, advances um, in technology as they come together and start constructing this, this monolith tower uh, uh, to reach the skies, to reach heaven. And people are getting along and everything's working well. But, but as the construction continues and as, as, as I guess the, the, the people come closer together, if you can think of a structure thinner, like a pyramid in a way, and people start to interact a bit closer together, and and all of a, and people start to interact a bit closer together, and and all of a sudden, as as this peace project nears completion, people start to realise my understanding of peace is a little bit different from yours, and all of a sudden, the language that people are speaking, the 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 worldview that people are coming from, is in conflict. And even under a unified, a seemingly unified idea, people find that there is fracture and in the end, not peace. And so Jesus says again, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And so we have to say that to, to be a person who makes peace, to bring, a person who brings peace can't be um, the person who, who works hard to bring in a system of reform and law, um, a, a person who works hard to bring freedoms for people, all these are good things, but this is not the peacemaking, the peacemaker that, that Jesus is talking about. Because all of these things, as we've seen, though they may create elements um, of peace in the external appearance, they do not bring the very thing that we need, which is a peace that that is not about um, being separate from others. It's not a piece about conforming, being restricted. There's something far greater. And Jesus is saying, these are the people that are blessed when they are called children of God. And so we have to, in one sense, uh, um, perhaps sadly for you, divert from the practical and and actually have a look at what, what this thing is that Jesus is saying. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Why does he say they're blessed? Because they will be called children of God. And for us to understand what it is to be a peacemaker, we have to understand what, what, what is this blessedness of being a child of God. And to understand what a child of God is, we have to understand that a child... This is, this is a natural thing for us to understand, but, but particularly in the Hebrew mind, a child is the very nature of their parent, is, is the reflection, the manifestation of who their parent is. And so we need to know 
This is, this is so foundational for us, not only, not only because I'm talking about it, but this is just the very nature of who God is. That's the foundation of who we are. And not only who we are as individuals, but as a community as well. And it's, and it's, it's, it's the nature of God that we need to know. And again, I'm going to say, this may seem abstract and it may seem um, disconnected from our everyday lives, but, but don't think about... Um, needing to know this uh, intellectually. I, I, I pray that even as I'm speaking, there'll be a sense, of, um, a sense of resonating with something that's true within yourself uh, that, that, that can open up, op- open up in you the, the reality of peace and the truth of peace. So Jesus, in fact... Um, one, of, one of the tenets, the, the, the central ideas um, of who God is, um, for us as a community, for us as individuals, uh, for, for, the, for the Jewish um, religion, for, uh, for, for Christianity, for, even for Islam, is, is this idea that God is one. God is one. Um, in fact, the, the, there's, a, there's a beautiful um, um, recitation that, that, that the Israelites would say, and, that, and that's, um, here, Israel, the Lord our God is one. And right at, the, right at the back, I need to make the link here so, you, so I don't lose you. The link here is, is we've been talking about um, different ways of trying to achieve peace. One seems like it's through, through a unity, through a conforming um, to different rules. Um, and the other is through, through an individualism, through, through one, is that one is a unity. One is a unit. One unit is a unity. And at the same time, one is individual. It, it encapsulates both. It, it is one is a unity and one is an individual. If you can, if you can believe me that all of the, the problems of peace uh, and conflict of um, strife come from not being able to realize that God is one. There's an extension that um, f- um, from this idea of oneness that that we believe, and that's that God is one and indivisible. He cannot be divided. God is not, you can't divide him up and say, this is this part of God and that's that part of God. Um, uh, there's no such thing as having different parts and, and then having the parts come together for the... And in fact, this is, this is um, key to understanding the very nature of God as Jesus... Um, key to understanding the very nature of God as Jesus reveals him. It's something that was wrestled with for... for for many years, for hundreds of years, in fact, trying to understand what, what was the nature of God that was revealed in Jesus. The reason why it was such an incredible thing 
to understand about God's oneness was that um, um, this idea of the Trinity, that, that as Jesus um, reveals who God is, there's, there's a Father, there's the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit, was an idea that was foundational to the, to the understanding of, of the Jews of who God was. It's that God is one and He cannot be divided. He is indivisible. And so, as Jesus, when Jesus reveals that God is, um, um, is, is not only one, but three persons, and yet still one, the reality is that if He's indivisible, the Father is fully God, not, not a part of God. You know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit aren't different parts that make a whole. Each one of them, the Father, fully God, all of who God is in, in the Father as the Father, the Son, all of who God is, indivisible, it can't be a part of God, it's all of God. The conundrum, the, the, the paradox in that becomes the conundrum, the, the, the paradox in that becomes real for us as humans in the very creation of the world. This is the struggle to understand, is, is God as one, when he, when he creates the world, is He creating something separate from Himself? Or is He creating something that is unified somehow to Himself? As He, as he creates the world, there's a sense there, God cannot be divided. And in fact, the very creation narrative which states that the creation is good and, and humanity within the creation are very good is actually a statement of God's presence, a statement of God's indivisibility, a statement that God is there fully. Not a part of Him is there, He's there fully through creation, in creation. Jesus says, no one is good but God and creation is good. And so, what we see for Adam and Eve, if we actually see Adam first, created, created one, right? One. One human, very good. As God, created as God, like God. Not separate. There, as him being in a place where he doesn't recognize that. And we know that he doesn't recognize that. And we know that he doesn't recognize that because the very thing that he feels is a desire for unity. He doesn't recognize the unity. And God seeking to communicate that unity to him to open up the revelation of his very presence does something which is the very same thing he did in creation. He created woman from man, not as something that is reliant on man, not as something that is, um, that, that is, that is less than man, not as something that is, is a part of man, but completely individual, completely in one sense separate, but, but not separate at all, fully united. And in fact, as soon as God creates Eve, He makes a statement that these two are one. It's the very reason he's bringing about the separation is to actually reveal the unity. 
to, to, to communicate that there is no separation between God and man. And it's this very thing that Adam and Eve struggled to comprehend, and in fact, as they recognize their individuality, they, they see God and they, and, and, they, and they feel separate from Him. Th- th- there's a sense of lack. They, they don't feel that, that they're at peace. And that, that's the seedbed for a, for a very subtle lie to be planted, and that is that they can become like God. When in fact they were, they were created like God, there was nothing to be attained. And yet in believing the lie, they opened up all of the strife that we have seen through the ages, all of the wars, all of the conflict, all of the unrest between nations, between families, within families, for individuals, all based on the lie that God is divisible and He can be in some places more than others and in some people more than others. Jesus comes on the scene as the peacemaker, the the Prince of Peace, in fact, and He reveals something about who God is that says He cannot be divided. He cannot be divided. And He comes in humanity to reveal that in humanity, that that actually humanity is very, um, the the fact that humanity is and that, that humanity was created was to be a revelation of an individual revelation, a a revelation that seems somehow to be separate, just in the way that the Trinity seems somehow to be separate from one another, and yet are all the fullness of God in each individual one, and united by that fact, that humanity was created to express that very same thing. And so Jesus comes with, with complete peace, He's not seeking to attain anything. He's not seeking to, form, uh, to, to establish some outward form of peace. In fact, that's what everyone was trying to get him to do. They had a vision of peace that would make things right in the externals, and he did not, he did not pander to it. He did not conform to people's ideals and the things that he wanted completely at peace already. And he only came to reveal that peace. And he only came to reveal that peace. The beauty that Jesus says here, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God, is a revelation that to be at peace is to recognize that there is no division in God. And that in Jesus, there is everything that is required for that reconciliation, for that recognition that all of who God is, is not separate, is is very present, is there for you to know peace, for you to actually know life in Him. The beautiful thing is that the blessedness of of the peacemaker is to be called children of God. Jesus already knows that He's the Son of God. He comes as the Son, the very nature of who God is. He knows that He's that. 
but his blessedness is to be called the Son of God. Because anyone, because this, this is the realization, anyone who sees him and recognizes that he is the Son of God actually is, is recognizing that everything is open for, for the recognition that they too are a child of God. And that is the blessedness of the peacemaker. Jesus is blessed because he sees when people recognize him that they come to know the very same truth for themselves, that they come to know the very same life in themselves, the very same peace in themselves. And that's the only way that they can ever become peacemakers. That's the only way that we can ever find ourselves to be peacemakers. Not people who are running around trying to, to, to put out fires or to, trying to smooth things out, but people who, who live from a very clear and certain rest that God is one. That, that's, that we would say, I am one with Christ and I'm one with the Father. And my oneness with every single other person stands because God is one. And, and my blessedness is to be that peace to others, to be a messenger of peace to others. Not that, I, that, not that we give them something new, not that we endow them with a special gift that we have, but we bring them to the recognition of the gift that is always given in God. Peter, Peter even says, Jesus, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He was always that. He was always the revelation of that, of the unity that we have. Tonight, it's night already, it's not afternoon anymore. Our blessedness is not to know these truths intellectually. And I hope that you wouldn't come blessedness is not to know these truths intellectually. And I hope that you wouldn't come away with a sense of of, of to be honest, if you were trying to come away with a sense of just trying to know this in terms of knowledge, you would leave here confused and you would leave here just going, uh, maybe with a headache perhaps, if that's, if that's what you were trying to do. The blessedness of this truth is that there is a reality to be experienced, to be known, and it's the reality of who God is, to actually know all of who he is as your peace. It's a, it's a conscious reality. It's not something that we need to know intellectually so that we can go, I know this intellectually and those people don't know, so, so I'm in and those people are out because they don't know that. No, 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 it has nothing to do with that. It's a blessedness of entering into the reality of knowing that peace and living in that and being in complete rest in this world. In this world that seemingly is in complete turmoil and, and seemingly are not his children, to be at rest and know the fundamental to be at rest and know the fundamental reality that God is one and then be a messenger of that peace to others. You can't take this and try and just apply it to your life. There's, there's a truth to be known in reality. And that's my prayer. It's our prayer as a community that we we continue to come together and encourage one another towards the recognition of that not to try and build each other up in, in, in um, cool concepts, um, crazy concepts, to be honest, if that's all they were, um, but to open ourselves up individually to the fullness of God. Not that 
See, see, there's this idea, it's a beautiful idea, that we are the body of God, we are the body of Christ. He's the head, we are the body. That can be interpreted in such a way that, that there are different levels of importance in people based on what, what part of the body you are, what your giftings are, all these different sort of things. But to understand the, the, the indivisibility of God is to know that in you, as an individual, dwells the fullness of God. No lack. No lack. And your, your peace and your, your joy is in the knowledge that that's not, that's not just for you, Right? It's not, it's not that all of the fullness of God dwells in you and therefore you can lord it over others because that's not what Jesus reveals. He reveals that because he is an individual and all of the fullness of God dwells in him, he is completely united with God and completely united with everyone. And so his joy is to actually um, draw other people into the reality of that peace. So may we know that. Let me pray and then we can continue uh, in our service. Father, thank you for your love, uh, for the fact that, that you are one. It's never been your desire for us to ever know anything other than your oneness. And even in your very creation, in, in our lives, perhaps, perhaps we feel um, in, in, um, because of our, our, our working in this life, because of our familiarity with with. Um, life um, as we've known it, life through the lens of a lie that, that uh, we've had to work um, for our peace, that our peace has to come at, in some form um, through separation from others or even at the expense of others. As we see the different ways that our world has been led to find peace, we come to you to know this truth. To know this truth not as an intellectual reality, but as our peace. That we would be peacemakers in this world. So, Father, I just thank you for this community, that we can come together and, and encourage one another towards that. There's a lightness here. There's not, there's not a, 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 a working to attain something. We're not, we're not unified in the sense of Babel where, where we're coming... Um, to be unified under some idea and to work together in something. No, we're here to rest and for the fullness of you to be revealed in us individually. And as that happens, as we rest in that, our unity will be known by our love for one another. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.